It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Joining me today is my guest, Matt Barron. Matt is CRO, Chief Revenue Officer of Consensus, formerly known as DemoChimp. And Consensus is a sales enablement tool that enables sales teams to drive an agreement across business-to-business buying groups with personalized video demos. I didn't write that. I just stole that tagline right from your site. Uh, and so, <laughs> It's a good one. It's a good one. So, you know, a lot is being written these days about how decision-making is involving in business-to-business settings from a strict sort of hierarchical control and command or command and control structure, team-based, collaborative decision-making, if not actually consensus-driven decision-making, hence the name, I believe. We're going to explore that a little bit with my guest here. And so we also want to talk about decision-making and how tools like Consensus are helping sales teams align their efforts with the purchasing process of their prospects. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. I'm really excited to be here. We've been talking about this uh, for a long time, so uh, I'm excited to be – yeah. I'm excited to be doing with it, and I love all all the other stuff that you do. I I, am happy to be a guest on on this podcast for sure. Well, thank you very much. So – Take a minute beyond the brief intro I gave. Introduce yourself. Maybe tell us how you got your start in sales. Sure. Yeah. My uh, so uh, so you mentioned my role at, at Consensus right now. I'm also a co-founder, um, uh, which comes with some other unique challenges. Uh, but it's been a great journey so far. But that uh, that really describes um, me and my career. It's it's been almost exclusively in entrepreneurship. I I did a few stints in larger companies to just double check. Uh, to see whether or not that was a route I wanted to take. Turns yeah. out it's not. Yeah, the um, answer was no. The answer is no. Yeah. Um, even tried uh, private equity. Um, not just just not. Yeah. I'm I'm an operator to my core. I I absolutely love uh, the journey of starting with an idea, um, whether it's a you know a, a new business idea or just a, an idea to improve a, a system or process or experience in as part of our business. Um, uh, so I love, uh, you, I, I like to sum it up by saying I, I'm, I love, uh, finding inexpensive ways, uh, or inexpensive opportunities for high growth. Um, and growth systems is, is my passion. That's my role here. And that's what I've done for the past 10 years or so. So I've been, my career's kind of split between marketing and sales, um, uh, in different ways, but my, in, in sales, my, I got my start. Uh, selling, as a lot of people in Utah do, I got my start selling. Um, oh no, actually, I need to go back further. Right <laughs> after high school, <laughs> before your mission, yeah, before I did, yeah. So I, I went on a mission, and that certainly helped with my my confidence and and uh, some other things. But um, before my yeah, so right after high school, uh, my first gig in sales was uh, calling up past customers of a carpet cleaning company and trying to get them to. Um, to sign up again mm-hmm. to buy, buy more carpet cleaning services, and um, I was uh, 18 years old, and uh, I did it for about a year, and I made really, really good money, and that's what got me into the start. I they paid me twenty dollars for every uh, carpet cleaning appointment that I set, um, and I loved it and made a ton of money, and it was fun. 
But I mean, you had this, what you talk about, the formative experience of being on your, your church mission. So where were you yeah. when you did that? Yeah, so um, so I was in Utah, uh, where I grew up um, when I did that first job. But um, were you asking about where my church mission was? Yeah, where was your mission? Yeah, that was in the Philippines. So an incredible experience. Um, you know, pay you know I, you, you pay for it yourself. Uh, it's kind of a service based volunteer thing, and um, so it's, and and you go and you live with the locals and you you eat like they do. You live like they do. You you speak. You don't speak English because you know you're in. I was in rural areas in the Philippines where uh, they didn't speak English at all. So I, I became fluent in their in their dialect. Um, it's oh, called Tagalog. Healy guy known actually Tagalog. I I wish it was Tagalog. That would have been a much more useful language after my mission. Right. <laughs> um, the one that I speak, unfortunately, is is uh, pretty much isolated to one island that uh, is very under you know underdeveloped. So. Uh, when I talk to my friends back there, I get to use it. Otherwise, um, it I don't know. Maybe it expanded expanded my brain capacity. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, when you're on those missions, I mean, you you yeah. are basically selling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're selling religion, right? The hardest thing, right? I think to sell. Um, you're selling really drastic life changes. You're selling. Uh, commitments and you know especially the the type of religion we were selling you know there's no coffee no cigarettes no so we're you know even trying to sell the idea of giving up some of these things that uh, people have become very accustomed to so yeah well, well I think the difficulty with with a selling religion <laughs> let alone talking about religion is that it's one of those topics that everybody has an opinion on. Unlike, oh, yeah. unlike in sales and business, you can you can reach out to a prospect that maybe has no opinion at all about your product or service. Uh, religion, pretty much everybody has a point of view. Uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, really good point. Really yeah. good point. I, in a lot of ways, I felt like we were selling hope, um, which is kind of an interesting spin on it because it was it, it puts a very positive light into the life changes, and so I think that it was a it, overall it was a it was a great positive experience for everybody that, that I interacted with. Well, it's an interesting, uh, interesting phrase you use, too, about selling hope, because I, uh, well, a couple months ago, I had on the show Tom Ziegler, the son of Zig Ziegler, mm-hmm. and you know, for the Ziegler organization, that's, that's really their, their watchword. You know, it doesn't matter what you're selling, you're selling change, and at the end of that change is a hope that something is going to be better, right? So you really mm-hmm. are selling hope, even in everything we sell day-to-day and business-to-business, it's, we're selling hope. Mm, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. So, why the name change to Consensus from DemoChip? Well, when we initially launched the company uh, about two and a half years ago, um, we started out um, with our, our great big disruptive idea was that we were going to automate the demo process. Um, you know, it's um, we, primarily for software companies or software as a service companies. Yeah, well, really, really, it was any. Um, so, demo turned out to not be the right word, which is one of the reasons for the for the name change. But um, it's really the that repetitive aspect of selling, where you're you're communicating the same type of vision, maybe in a different order and in, in some different context to each new prospect. But there, there's a lot of repetition um, in sort of in teaching and educating new clients. So. Mm-hmm. So we were we wanted to educate that initial, or I'm sorry, automate the initial client education. Um, and for software companies, it was demos. For service companies, it may have been a presentation of sorts, telling their story. Um, but yeah, just that initial client interaction that sales sales where where salespeople were having to be sort of repetitive. Uh, we wanted to automate that. 
Um, that's a lot of what we did initially. Our first year, we did half a million in revenue, um, and we raised about we raised one million, uh, roughly. Um, and so we we felt like we had great initial traction, I would say. Um, and then as we got into it, uh, the next year we grew very quickly again. Um, you know, four hundred percent growth over year one, and. Uh, raised a bit more money, and it was all sort of based around this idea of you know of kind of automated product demos. Um, but what we realized is, as we got into it, we observed our users, and we got we we've you know continued to develop the technology. We we essentially pivoted to solving a, a newer and much what we believe to be a much larger problem, which is the the challenge of it's the same client education problem. Um, but in an in an aspect of the sale that has a much larger impact, which is uh, the ability to reach each stakeholder, deliver personalized messaging to them, so that uh, you have the greatest chance possible of that group achieving consensus or agreement. Um, and that's something that's incredibly difficult for sales reps to do. And so the the problem that we pivoted to, towards solving, and the way that we've developed our technology. Um, it's much more than demo automation. It's, you know, helping buying groups to achieve agreement or achieve consensus, um, still in a uh, semi-automated and scalable way, but the name demo chimp just didn't fit it anymore. Um, so we had to change. Yeah. And a, as you said, a little bit misleading as well in terms, cause it's really not about a demo as much as you said, the, the education of the buyer and that could be through a presentation or a demo or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that kind of keys in, if you think more deeply about that, that'll give you some clues into our product strategy over the next year or two. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Okay, I'll have to think about that. So, yeah. um, <laughs> now you put that challenge out there. Um, well, I mean, let's let's talk about decision-making in general. It's, mm. you know, there's been a lot of, I'm going to call it froth, and that may be, make too, I don't like light of it necessarily, but mm-hmm. written about how decision-making is evolving mm. and in the business-to-business space. And, you know, I think it was the challenger customer we talked about, you know, 5.4 mm-hmm. decision makers now in the, on average in the business to business deal opportunity. But it's like, I don't know, I look at that and say, well, okay. I mean, I, I spent a good chunk of my career selling pretty complex systems, mm-hmm. uh, you know, multi-million dollar type things. And, hey, we always had a group, a buying group that we were selling yeah. to. So, so what's really different? I mean… Good. That's a really good question. I, I've had this conversation with a few um, few people who uh, asked. You know, um, Trish Bertuzzi was one. She said, you know, she said, I don't, I don't think it's changed. I just think, um, uh, you know, we've always had this problem of reaching decision makers and you know, um, stakeholders as you talk stakeholders. about stakeholders. Uh huh. Um, I think what's changed is um, research institutions have uh, defined it. Uh, and so it's, I think it's one of those things where by bringing it to everybody's attention, um, we've realized that it's a re it's, it's a very real problem, uh, a very real obstacle in the sale. Uh, I think it's very easy to, for sales reps and even sales leaders in designing the strategy to get comfortable with the idea of leveraging a, a prospect champion, that single individual who loves what you do and you, you end up depending on them to convince the rest of the stakeholders, um, but the reality there is that there's there's no way that a prospect who spends an hour, two hours, you know, even three, 
with a, with a sales rep can become educated enough and practiced enough to know all of the answers and and drive uh, drive consensus correctly within the buying group when when it comes their turn to go sell internally, and the sales rep typically loses control of that sale and um, you know and insight. Um, so it, there's there's a big disconnect there. That's one angle on it is um, understanding that the buying group is complex and having some definitions around it from CEB and Sirius and and some others. I think those definitions help help us to understand that we can't just rely on champions um, to do the internal selling for us. Mm-hmm. And I think the second thing that's that's interesting about this, um, you know, maybe how things have changed. Uh, is really this idea of w- once you understand that uh, that buying groups are complex and that selling, you know, relying on an individual um, can hurt you, you start to ask the question: Well, how is it hurting us, and where does that show up in the data? And um, when you start to dig into that, it gets pretty interesting because this idea of uh, losing losing deals to no decision. Um, it turns out to be massively impactful. Um, so I think across the B2B world, it's 30 to 40 percent uh, is what, what research has returned as, as uh, the typical uh, percentage of deals that end in no decision. Oh, even, even higher. I mean, I think it was CEB yeah. or somebody that came out and said 51 percent. Okay, yeah, 51 percent. I'll go with that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You think about it, the, um, if, if you're losing, you know, I like to use this analogy. If I were um, opening a grocery store and I was really passionate about produce and this was my lifelong dream. And I opened the store and of all the people that come in, uh, you know, 30% are actually buying something. Um, and at that rate, you know, I'm not going to be very successful, uh, and my dreams are going to come true. So then the challenge comes, do I stand at the register and ask people why they're buying what they're buying, which is what most companies do. They mm-hmm. ask current customers why they are buying, um, I think in this scenario, uh, and the better thing to do, or, or I should say equally as important, is standing at the front of the store and asking everybody that's leaving why they're not buying. Um, I think we we do that to a degree, but we don't go in deep enough. Um, so uh, honestly, to, to, uh, to all the listeners, I think the the biggest opportunity for growth in any B2B company right now is digging into the why are people not buying and solving those solutions rather than trying to get the incremental improvements in close rate um, based on what you know about why people are buying. So it's kind of the, uh, uh, you know, instead of going from 25% close rate to 26%, go look into why people are leaving and you might find 10, 20, 30% improvements, which oh, yeah. we've seen. Yeah, we've yeah, no, I agree. Seen. I agree. Yeah. Well, I think that's it, and that ties to the issue that you're talking about relative to to your product and consensus is that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was, I never thought that the champion or advocate model was really a realistic model mm-hmm. of selling. I mean, from my own experience, I always knew I had to sell directly to the stakeholders and not rely on somebody to be the message carrier, or the water carrier for me. Yeah. In there because, for the reasons you talked about, they just they didn't know anywhere near enough about the product as I did in order to effectively communicate that to people. And that's part of why you know, we rely on stories and other other tools that are a little bit more memorable, easily memorable than, you know, hey, here's my PowerPoint presentation. You know, yeah. <laughs> good, good luck giving that yeah. to people internally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there, 
There so is I, a. Oh, I, sorry. So, but ahead. I was going to say, I think one of the things that you're accomplishing with tools, and we see those with sales tools in general, and it's, and I think people sort of, you know, they hear about some new sales tools coming out and, you know, new sales models and say, well, hey, but those have been around forever. Actually, the models have been around forever and similar mm-hmm. to buying groups. But as you said, now we have the tools to be able to help people, uh, you know, put into a process. Mm. A best practice to make sure that they're actually talking directly to these stakeholders, as yeah. opposed to um, where before is always just sort of the manager saying, "Well, hey, did you talk to John in purchasing? You know, he's really key in this whole thing." Oh yeah, 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 I did. But I mean, now I said you've got a way that's, that uh, make it in process and make it more visible, and you get the back end analytics to say, "Okay, well, how they really engage with this content that you're providing?" Yeah. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, it, there's, you know, we that the the sales model that we teach, you know, we we like to believe that we're on uh, on sort of the cutting edge of of thinking about how to drive consensus among stakeholders, especially using technology to do that. We, we are the only company that that uh, does that right now. Um, but the interesting thing is, I think, as you um, as you get into so so. Uh, the actual sales model, um, it went from, for us, it went from being a process of kind of a series of events of things that we needed to accomplish um, with the company. Um, we actually broke out the buying group. Uh, we've identified what typical stakeholders are in each purchase, you mm-hmm. know, the people that are going to buy our product. And then we have di- different tracks for each of those buyers that say, you know, do this for this person, do that for that person. Um, and we approach those sales differently. Um, a good mental model for it, I think, is if you look at uh, a pyramid and on the point of the pyramid, uh, there are two um, two boards that are balancing right on the tip in an X. And one of the boards is is the price to value uh, formula, right? That that has to val- balance in the in the customer's mind. The other is uh, the other board of the X balancing on top of the pyramid is a, um, it's the work to results uh, equation. So the customer has to believe that the amount of work they have to do uh, to get the results uh, is worth it. Mm-hmm. So you've got those things, but the pyramid is is the group buying. It's the group purchase decision-making process. It doesn't matter how well you prove those things and balance them for the individual. If you're not doing it for the group uh, and positioning them where they can achieve consensus, uh, then we end up in no decision land, and our close rates are stuck at twenty five percent. Well, but also I think I think it's an interesting metaphor to look at because, at least to my mind, that X on the top is unique for each member, each stakeholder mm. of the group. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so they actually, to me, it's not like they they combine into one price value mm-hmm. equation or one work to results or work to value uh, equation. Mm-hmm. It's there's actually a blend that creates one because you have to satisfy each of the individuals because you know they have different levels of responsibility or accountability for the solution that's being purchased. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I should change that model. It needs to be. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, we're here, we're here. We're here to help. This is not just a podcast. This you yeah. didn't you didn't realize you were being charged for this. I'll, I'll send my invoice after the show. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with my guest Matt Barron. Talking about consensus, not only just the actual consensus and decision making, but also about his company and the product that they sell. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. 
Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. And we're back with my guest today, Matt Behrend from Consensus, co-founder and chief revenue officer of Consensus. And so let's let's dig into the product itself because we've, mm. I think, exhausted people on, on, <laughs> yeah, on the decision making part. Is sort of tell people how it works and how it's set up because you know it is very tailorable and customizable. It has to be necessarily because you have lots of different mm. customer types that use it. But may walk people through it. Yeah, absolutely. So the way it works is, um, so if you can picture uh, a, a link is sent to you by email, and it's from if, a, if you're a buyer. If you're a buyer, right? Yeah. So, so you're the buyer, Andy. Um, I'm the seller. I'm I'm a sales development rep. Actually, let's back up, and I'll, I'll we'll walk through the the full experience. So you're a buyer, and I'm a marketer. You come to my website, uh, and what you're trying to answer the question, can your product solve a problem for me in, in the context of my business? Um, you know, you've gone to my competitors and my competitors uh, are offering you white papers and trying to get you to sign up and, and trying to get you to meet with a sales rep right away. Um, and you're not quite getting the information that you want. And so shocking. Uh, yeah. Shocking, right? That's what everybody does. So instead you come to my website and, uh, you see a button that says, uh, experience a personalized demo now. So you're, you know, you're excited because you're in research mode right now. And guess what? You get in-depth personalized, uh, information. So you click, uh, you know, to experience that an intro or, or a, a screen comes up and it says, um, tell us about your, the role that you play in your organization. So it basically would have a list of typical stakeholders that buy my product. So you figure out which one you fit in. Once you click that, it branches to a video that tells you, hey, this is why consensus matters to you as, you know, let's say you're the VP of sales. This is why consensus matters to you. It's 30 seconds long. It gives you the vision of it. And then it says, now tell us what's more, uh, what's most important um, and we'll personalize more of this demo to you. And so a screen comes up and it has a, a, a selections, you know, my different value propositions and the problems that we can solve for you. And so you actually get to select how important each of those problems are. And then when you click continue, uh, our technology on the back end actually pulls from a library of video and puts together a presentation on the fly that reflects your depth of interest in each of those value propositions uh, or problems that we can solve for you. Uh, and so it, it's acting like an expert salesperson in terms of asking sort of discovery questions and then presenting information that reflects your depth of interest and, and unique, uh, unique needs um, as, as a reflection of how you've uh, answered those questions. So you get your personalized presentation right there um, on the website. So, so that's going to – Yeah, and at some point – you ask them for name and contact information. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lead capture form that would typically pop up after you've uh, about halfway through the experience. 
that says, hey, we'd love to, you know, the rest of your demo is waiting for you. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself so we can follow up with more information. Um, our clients see typically um, an 8 to 12% conversion rate, which at, is about four. At that yeah, point. At that point, which is about a 4x industry average. So it's, it's very impactful on the marketing side. Um, so then your journey continues. You, you, a sales development rep reaches out to you and says, hey, I saw you watch the demo. Um, our technology, uh, because of those questions that you answered, it told the sales development rep what was important to you. So the sales development rep is reaching out saying, hey, Andy, I know you're interested in this and this, um, or you know, leading with, hey, we solved these problems. Um, are these interesting to you? Would you like to meet with the sales reps? You say, yeah, I, it looks like a, a good fit. I was glad that I was able to learn a lot about your product before I, now I'm ready to commit to a meeting. And so they, you set up an appointment with the sales rep. Now it gets really interesting because the sales development rep says, great, Andy, is there anyone else that would feel left out if they didn't come to this meeting? And you say, yeah, there are a couple others that would likely help me make this decision. And the sales development rep says, perfect. Please, I'm going to send you a link to that same demo that you viewed on our website so that you can share it with each of those other stakeholders. This is going to make your internal conversations well-educated uh, and much easier to have. And so for you, you're thinking, oh, this is an easy buying experience. So um, the sales development rep sends you that link. You share it with the other, the other stakeholders. They each get a personalized, educated experience. And all of those analytics from each of the stakeholders now goes to the account executive. So when the account executive first meets with you and likely some of the other stakeholders, uh, the, the, sale, the account executive knows what, who each of the stakeholders are and what is important to each of them so that they can attack it from the very first step knowing how, they, how he, that person needs to drive agreement among that buying group. So it's, it's very powerful both from a sales acceleration standpoint, shortening the sales cycle by reaching and educating the stakeholders very early in the process, mm -hmm. um, but also from a discovery standpoint of knowing who they are, what really matters to them, um, and uh, moving the sale forward. So increases close rates and, and shortened sales cycle is really the ultimate value, but that's, that's, that's the story. That's how our customers use it from marketing all the way through uh, account executives using it to close deals. Right. So if your potential customer, and you're listening to this, is then from a preparation to use it standpoint, for you don't know, use it in your own sales sales activities, mm. is so what mm. are the key components you sort of need to have in place? Obviously, you need to understand your <laughs> you need to understand your prospects buying process as well as the stakeholders that typically are involved in it. You yeah. need to be able to identify all those up front. Yep. Um, and what other work then do they have to do? You talked about some video creation. Is it yeah. are the presentations themselves? Are they all videos? Or are they just or are they narrated PowerPoints or what are they typically? Yeah, it's great. Um, it, it depends on the stage of the buyer's journey. So it, in that first marketing, um, you know, marketing scenario where you you came to my website and wanted to learn about it, that's going to be a higher production value, and uh, we typically build that for you. Um, we've built we've built it for ninety percent of our clients, um, uh, and so we make it really easy. We we have a very clean step by step process. Uh, that minimizes the work that you have to do. Um, we typically pull from your current messaging, so we'll learn from demo, you know, demos that your sales mm -hmm. reps are already giving, etc. So we we do that as part of implementation, uh, build that video content um, uh, with a partner company, and then the 
uh, and then for later in the buyer's journey, so uh, what a, an account executive would be sending out would be a combination of the pre-built uh, video content as well as specific use case recordings that they might make on the fly. So our tool uh, includes some screen recording tools uh, that they can add call-outs and, and things like that where they can actually record a quick highly contextual use case mm -hmm. you know, maybe something that they discussed with the client on that first call that the that the other stakeholders need to see and you can capture it and include it in what you're enabling that uh, prospect with so that they can um, you know you don't have to rely on them their ability to sell you can get that messaging in your vocabulary to the rest of the stakeholders right. so yeah the, the the two kinds of video production we help you to build as much as you want uh, you can build as much video as you want and leverage the platform um, or we can build it for you so a lot of options yeah and then somewhere you then set the rules as to, you know for this stakeholder this is what they see and so on yeah and it's it's dynamic right it's every time it's pulling from a, a library of video segments that um, are that back up each of the questions that you're asking. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And um, you've coined a new term on your site, demolytics. Um, yeah. So <laughs> obviously customer engagement analytics so that you can see how people have engaged with uh, the content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's th this is something we're very, very excited about. Um, Demolytics are, are interesting. I mean, it's it's you know, it may be cheesy, maybe not, but the point is, is that it, it is a new kind of of analytics that isn't available anywhere else. We are getting self-select data. It's essentially survey data, but it's from prospects at the top of at the top of the funnel, um, which you really can't get any other way. You're you're, you know, a prospect is willing to answer those questions if they know it's in return for personalized content. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're just sending them a survey, they don't, they're not going to answer it. So yeah. really, really valuable data to tell you, um, you know, product uh, marketing and, and sales both really study those analytics to figure out what messaging is resonating the most um, with, with their prospects. Um, and uh, there's some other really cool things that are happening where we, we're building a native integration with InsideSales.com and and SalesLoft um, and uh, a couple of other companies, um, and, and we have one with Salesforce, so mm -hmm. you can pull that data in and really analyze it against the rest of your data for um, what we think is kind of better better lead scoring and um, better insights than have ever been available because it's self-select data rather than infer you know um, in data inferences. Yeah, well, I think also it, it's to me it's a qualification tool. I mean, if if mm. if people aren't going through the process, right? If you got five stakeholders, let's say, and and only only two go through the process, you still have some qualification to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that scenario that I described earlier, where a sales development rep uh, sends you know sends say you're the you're the customer, the SDR sends you a demo, a link to a demo. Um, if you view it before the meeting. Um, you're uh, roughly 70% more likely to attend that meeting. So mm -hmm. it'll help with hold rates. But the really exciting thing is, is if you share that demo with your other stakeholders, um, as an opportunity, you're 79% more likely to be a qualified opportunity. So it's very, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, really the, the biggest battle that we're fighting in sales and marketing is just getting our messages to the right people. 
Um, and so this tool helps to do that in a, in a really kind of an internally viral way in each of the prospects that you're selling into, um, but also in a very scalable way. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, we're going to give you a chance in a few minutes to tell people how to find out more about consensus. But mm. first, we've got the last segment of the show. We've got some standard questions I ask all my guests, and uh, listeners always anxiously look forward to hearing the answer. So first one is, is a hypothetical scenario that uh, focused on you. And so you, Matt, have just been hired as a new sales leader for a company whose sales have stalled out. Unlike Consensus, a company whose sales have stalled out. Um, management's really anxious to get this turned around in a hurry. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that would have mm. the biggest impact? Mm, biggest impact. Uh, okay, so the first thing that I would do is um, I would I would study the the customer experience um, from SDR, from what the SDR, if I'm only leading sales, if I have some impact on marketing, I'm going to look at that too. But um, I'm going to study the, the experience and the, uh, the messaging and things that SDRs and AEs are, are saying and using. Um, I'm just going to study that and I'm going to quickly map that against what a, what a really healthy sales process, process and customer ex- buying experience looks like. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to spend, you know, a couple of hours every day, uh, training the sales team on, on correct behaviors. So I think that that's probably number one. Um, it's, you know, low cost Mm -hmm. is something you do right away. And it's, it's in my experience, it's hugely impactful. Um, uh, training decays over time, right? Um, Absolutely. 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. So, um, so I would do that and then make sure that the, that the training program is, um, demonstrating, uh, giving, making them practice and then measuring, uh, measuring adoption of what you're training in, in the field. So it set up systems for that. So that's probably number one is installing training, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, ongoing training. Number two is I'm going to dig into, uh, I'm going to dig into historical, uh, metrics throughout the funnel and I'm going to find out, uh, how close rates, uh, where, where inflection points were, uh, where things stalled out. Uh, and I'm going to go back in history and interview the leadership and find out what was changed, um, uh, and figure out, yeah, what was, what worked before when, when, uh, growth was, was consistent and then, uh, what they changed, uh, when it stalled out. So, I don't know if that's too broad or what you're looking for, but hey, those are probably off the top of my head. That's what I would do. That's good. That's a good answer. All right. So, <laughs> got some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers if you want, or you can elaborate a little bit. So, the okay. first one is when you, Matt, are out selling consensus services. What's uh, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Oh, my personal most uh, powerful sales attribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's that I've. Um, that I'm, I'm so interested and that I've spent so much time studying, uh, systems, um, that I'm, I, I can very easily diagnose, uh, weaknesses, I think in our, in our clients' sales and marketing processes. So I think being, being able to lend that expertise in the sales process, um, is my best a- attribute because they, they trust quickly and they, I'm able to pro- provide value in a single conversation usually. Okay. Sales doctor. Um, who's your sales role model? Oh, wow. Um, my goodness. 
I, you know, Andy, I have such a unique career. I, I, all I've ever done is start companies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, and I've always run sales. And so it's been kind of, um, uh, I, I would say my, my sales mentor right now is Don Cash. Um, he's, he, he was, uh, VP of inside sales at Adobe and now he's a VP of global inside sales at BMC. He's been a, a fantastic mentor. Um, and really he's given me some, some great advice. The only reason I didn't say him right away is that I haven't seen him sell, but in terms of, you know, him coming in and sure. helping us with our sales process and, right. and things to do his, his, uh, impact and advice has been tremendous. Great. And I look up to him a lot. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Good answer. So what's one book every salesperson should read? Well, uh, hmm. I'm going to say, uh, because there are the classics that I'm sure everybody says. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, the Challenger sale was hugely impactful for me in the way that I sell. Um, uh, just the, the, the concept of becoming an expert in the application of your mm-hmm. uh, methodology and, and technology. Right. Um, uh, more so that your customer, I think, is, is really, really key. Um, but beyond that, um, actually, I'm going to give a shout out to Trish Bertuzzi. I've been re- reading the Sales Development Playbook, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, excellent So book. I'll give her that. Yeah, it's a good book, I think, for people that are building inside sales organizations. Um, yeah, it's it's unlike other books on topic. It's it's not dogmatic. It understands that you got to be flexible, and every situation is a little bit different. So, yeah. So that that's for sales reps. I think for for sales leadership, I actually want to recommend the one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a book that we we're, uh, we're we take very seriously here, and I think it's been a key part of our growth. Just understanding how to prioritize the different projects that we're doing and what more importantly, what we need to sacrifice and say no to. Right. Yeah. Who's the author of that one again? Uh, the author is, uh, his name is Gary Keller. Right. Oh yeah. Gary Keller. Right. Yeah. The one thing. Okay. Perfect. All right. Last question for you. What's on your playlist right now? What music's on your playlist? Music. Uh, okay. So, (laughs) uh, the Smashing Pumpkins. I was listening to um, uh, earlier today, and then I bounced to some Jason Mraz. Oh yeah, good. Um, and then uh, and then I went to a, kind of an indie indie rock playlist of a bunch of new stuff, just fifty different songs. I uh, yeah, I, I'm a lover of all kinds of music. So my playlist has classical, it has rap, it has anything rock. on anything on that. Indie playlist, one song that stands out. Um, yeah, so I'm, I've been into a band lately um, uh, called the uh, Borns. Mm-hmm. So the Borns is I've really liked them lately, and I guess one of their songs that's really good is called Ten Thousand Something. I can't remember the name. Ten Thousand. You'll you'll see it on the playlist if you look. All right. So definitely well, good. Well, great answer. Good. Well, I want to thank you for having been a guest on the show today, Matt, and uh, tell folks how they can find out more about Consensus. Yeah, so Consensus, um, go to our website, consensus.us. So together it's about, you know, looking at it spells consensus, but it's .us. Um, And uh, check out the demo. Just start viewing it. 
Um, it may ask for some information. Um, you know, if somebody calls you, just say, I'm not interested, no big deal. But that's the best, the best way to experience our product for yourself. Um, and it's really easy. You'll, you'll get an in-depth personalized demo the moment you get to our website. So that's what we do. Excellent. All right. Yeah, I've, I've done it myself. It's worth, worth checking out. So again, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. Easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether you listen on your commute, in the gym, or make it part of your morning sales meeting. That way, you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Matt Barrand, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.